welcome back to the Trail Currents podcast. I'm Jamil Curry. I'm Jubilee Page. And we've been gone for quite a while. We have. It was almost four months. Four we, months. <laughs> we, we added it up and it was embarrassing. But despite that, we overcame our embarrassment and we're back. Yes. And we hope to be more regular. That's the plan. <laughs> we were, where were we? Um, we've been traveling around a little bit. Uh, You've been gone for over six weeks, I think, close to it since I think that's the end, right. of, end of June. Yeah. And it's now August 14th. Yeah. Yeah. So you were mostly in Colorado. In Colorado. Left at the beginning of uh, July. Lived in uh, Silverton for about a month and then uh, rolled around Utah for the last couple weeks. You out there for the Tushers and then yeah, just traveling. Just traveling. So we did have some viewers. They were asking for a follow-up because we did do an episode on running your first 100-miler. Yeah. So we have to ask... Because you were signed up for the Ute 100. Did that happen? It did not for me. So you did not start? I did not start. I actually, I think I'm actually officially like DNS and I'll just sign up. Oh, you didn't even like remove yourself? I I like, I emailed like probably way too late. Like, hey guys, I'm not going to be there. Yeah. They had a pretty high DNS rate, I think. That's what Noah said. There was only 97 that started. Yeah. I think he originally had 170 entrants. So that's. But I think that's kind of what happens <clears throat> when you open registration so soon. I think he even closed it pretty quick. Like, it was open, I think, a year ago. A year ago. I, w- I want to say, like, when I registered, I was like, oh, I have about a year to train and get ready and kind of, you know, get myself So up, you just didn't feel like you were to ready to do it this I, year? I had no business on that trail. There was no way that I was going to start and finish that race. I could have started the race. But, I mean, given the difficulty and then, you know, some of the race reports that came back, I think I made the right decision because I am not ready for a mountain hundred like that. You um, still have aspirations of the for, distance? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I I was probably adequately trained for a 50 mile or, I mean, I could probably slog out 100K with what I have now, but it's not, I'm not there yet. So I didn't want to. Yeah, I guess I didn't want to like chase cutoffs and really kind of disappoint myself at my first hundred, especially if something that like epic and beautiful. And I did stay in Moab. That was extremely hot. It sounds so, hot this time of year. Oh yeah. my gosh. But yeah. So we will we'll touch base about that again. Uh, we might do another episode, maybe when you pick a new race and yeah. kind of go revisit that. Cause I think a lot of people enjoyed that episode. I definitely want to, yeah, I think, you know, just probably jump into a 50 mile, hundred K, um, maybe make that, that jump a little bit. Not so, uh, yeah, sometimes you get excited so severe. and you yeah. go on ultra sign up and yeah. you get yourself into a little bit of a mess. <laughs> but uh, anyway, sure we've we, all done it. Yeah. We're going to switch gears and kind of move on with this episode. So if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to the Trail Currents podcast. And this is the show. It takes a deep dive into topics making waves in the running world. So we've got another interesting topic totally. this week. There, yeah. we try a lot of times. We try and tackle some controversial issues and. Always in a relaxed setting. Um, we're drinking a couple beers that a runner gave to us for from Tushers. She ran the race and yeah. dropped these by the office. So thank you, Lisa Moore. And yeah, it's just an opportunity. It's a conversation. We don't know everything. We don't pretend to. But it's a chance to hear 
a little bit in, of insight from a couple of us that are we're race directors and we're in the sport and we like to talk about interesting things. Yeah. And uh, this week, um, before we get to our topic, we actually would like to thank this week's sponsor. Yes. We have we are really excited to have back as a sponsor of the show Splat Sunscreen. They're one of our biggest supporters of the podcast, and we had them on board back in March for mm-hmm. the launch of their Kickstarter. This is a new company. It's a new product, and it's a sunscreen, obviously, Splat Sunscreen. And we just have to shout out to our listeners and viewers because you guys came out in force to support their Kickstarter. They That's were able awesome. to track everyone who clicked through from our show, and they said we were one of them, their most successful campaigns. Cool. So I guess you guys – trust us you guys showed up that's Um, amazing but we both supported the campaign and there's product now this is it um if you are listening in go check out spotsunscreen.com but if you're watching it's in hand man we have it in hand we've got a couple of their 10 packs here uh these come in three ounce packets and where did mine go i guess i put mine away i don't know but we had them out here um i love their color combo Oh, heck yeah. So bright and so fun. And they come in these portable packs. So these are brand new. And I mean, it's it's perfect because it's about the size of a goo and you can stick it in your pack yeah. or you can put multiple packs in if you're on a long run and you need to apply. Thinner, thinner than a goo. Oh, I yeah. I mean, it's oh, about totally. the same footprint, but yeah. it's probably a quarter as thin as a normal yeah. goo pack. Yeah. So it's really convenient. And that's something that I don't. I mean, there might be a portable pouch of sunscreen, but I haven't seen it. I mean, I think there's like tubes and things like yeah, that, but I don't nothing think it's, that's convenient. it's not lightweight. It's not, yeah, this is going to be really, really easy. Especially for the reapplication. I think that's exactly. the biggest thing. And that's I mean, the whole point. I've been waiting for this all summer. Yes. And it's like, I've been frying out there. <laughs> I really could have used we're, this. We're through the summer, man. This is, this so, is perfect. But it's, it's still, yeah, it's important to protect your skin. And um, they've put a lot of thought into this. We were actually asking them. We didn't get the answer quite on this show, but fortunately they are sponsoring us again for the next episode. So we will talk about it again. It's SPF 29, and we were going to find out maybe a little bit about the reasoning. So stay tuned next time. We'll talk about that more. I want to know about the one SPF. Oh, why is it 29 and not 30? Why is it 29 I mean, and not 30? It might just be, I like that it's it a funky, like, odd number. Yeah. yeah. It's it's memorable that way. Yeah. So we wanted to actually open this up for the first time and use a packet. So you want to see? Go. You want to see how see if far we can, like, we get can... the sound of it. Oh, I'm not good at this already. Okay. It's fine. I mean, it smells a lot like sunscreen. Wait, I'm just going to... I'm going to get... Oh, yeah, we there's gonna... actually... There's quite a bit of sunscreen. Yeah, there's in more than I pack. thought in here. We're, so we're going to apply it now and see how far it goes. Okay. Uh-huh. Go on. I actually... Uh, this, this is a lot. This is a lot. That's really good, though, because I was... That's the thing. Like, if you're out on a long run and you're in it for, you know, several hours, you might not always remember, like, at an aid station, but, like, if you're in Arizona and you're under the sun, you're going to feel it. So it's kind of perfect. My, my bed's going to smell like sunscreen now tonight. <laughs> so I've got it on my entire face, and face and neck and arms. Ooh. And I, I feel like there's still a lot in here. I'm going to do my legs next. So basically oh, trying, to, trying to cover all of I the 
the normally exposed areas. Yeah. And I, I probably now have too much on my hands because now I'm wearing long pants and I don't have... Ooh, my feet. I can do my feet. Okay. So, yeah, I've got it pretty much... I bet there's enough... Like, if I was going shirtless, I could I could probably cover my entire chest and stomach and back. Face, arms, legs. This is... It's almost full body coverage in one pouch. It's full body coverage in a tiny, tiny pouch, guys. <laughs> okay, I can't get my ears, but um, now our computers are going to be totally covered in this. But at least it smells like the beach. It's... It's really nice. So I still have the whole bottom of this pouch is still full. I, I have enough to probably cover. I could cover my my stomach and stuff definitely. Yeah. So um, okay, so we wanted to do that. Um, I just it, yeah, nice product test. That you're, was our first. Definitely gonna. It's actually our first time opening the product, so. Um, mm. It smells nice in here. It's now. like the beach. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's great. So um, I guess. Yeah, that's about it. Um, support spot sunscreen. It is um, made in Salt Lake City. Yeah. It's packaged in Colorado. And the whole company is run by just two guys, Quinn and Mark. You can talk to them on Instagram. They're really responsive. And it's ready to ship immediately. So if you have some 100 milers coming up, some fall races, um, do yourself a favor. Treat your skin right. Pick up some spot sunscreen over at spotsunscreen.com. And it looks like, speaking of Instagram, they are typing a message back to me as we speak uh, on YSPF29. So hopefully we'll get that answer here within the next few seconds. And um, I I do want to wrap up this plug. But uh, again, I guess if anyone else out there is interested in sponsoring this podcast, we do have some openings coming up. I think our next two episodes are already taken. Um, and we are going to be more consistent, probably putting out a show probably every week for the foreseeable future. I'd like to. Hopefully, yeah. To, we're both we're, back in We're town. back together, Jam. Oh. <laughs> Jam and Jubes. <laughs> back. You got a little sunscreen right there. Yeah. Right, I right probably the, do. Right on the tip of the nose. There yeah. you go. We're there not going to be able to put this to the test because uh, the sun just went down out here. So you can never be too prepared. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, I'm going to be ready to go in the morning when I wake up here. So. Um, so stay tuned for the end of the show when we will provide the answer there on it is. SPF 29 because they're still typing and we're going to move on to the show right now. So uh, this week's show, the topic is DQs and race regulations. That sounds like the most boring topic imaginable <laughs> uh, when I just said it out loud. But I assure you it will be interesting. It was a heated topic about and a month ago, man. Yeah. Um, so this all initiated from the Hard Rock 100 this year. I'm sure most of you know about this. Yeah. And this is a very – it's a hot-button topic. So I don't know. Should we do some disclaimers? Like – I feel like everyone gets very passionate about this. And this basically I mean, like divided yeah. the world. Yeah, everybody definitely put in their two cents. Like Twitter blew up uh, after this incident. It was just on and Facebook too, which yeah. I think is some of the worst, honestly. Like when people go on Facebook and start debating, mm. it's just, it just kind of, it can become nasty. Every, you know, I mean, everybody's going to have a minute. We're on there, we're just typing away and we're not, Sometimes remembering that these are other people we're talking to, but there was a lot of yeah. there was a lot of uh, impassioned people because Definitely. Xavier is a huge. He's very popular in Europe. He's yeah. he's from France. He 
doesn't speak English. That's apparent from his I Run Far interviews with Hard Rock. And uh, he, I think he has, he has like a way bigger following than Hard Rock, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. So let's recap for the listeners and the viewers that don't know what happened and why we're talking about this topic. And hopefully you find it interesting. <clears throat> we find it fascinating as race directors. For sure. And just, I think, fans of Hard Rock and loving those mountains. So that's why we want to talk about this. Totally. Um, so Xavier Favnard, probably butchering his name a bit, and I apologize. Uh, he was um, heading out of the URA aid station in the lead at Hard Rock this year. It's his second time running the race. Yep. He got third. He placed third back in 2016, so he's not new to this event. And he was heading up out of URA. And uh, a friend of ours, Tony Russ, was out spectating, and he's a fan. Just going to pop a couple photos. He went down on course. Um, they don't have rules against spectators, I think, being out on the trail. Not and that I know. That no. section was open that he was yeah. on. The area above was closed. Mm-hmm. So he's just out there, hikes down the trail, is taking a couple photos, and he comes back up with his dog, and he sees Xavier like, go over to a vehicle. So Xavier was with his pacer. He just picked him up. And he was about two and a half miles up out of Ure. There's You cross a road there. And it's actually a very popular spot for spectators mm-hmm. because you just saw your runner in Ure and you're on your way to Grouse and you can stop by the tunnel. There's a pullout and you, it's a good spot to take a couple photos, send them off, you know, give them an encouragement mm-hmm. and keep going. And there's nothing in the rules that prohibits you from stopping there as a spectator. Right. The, there is a rule that says you cannot crew outside of an aid station. Right. Uh, of a spe- specific aid stations. Correct. Like some you can, some you can't. Mm-hmm. And there's there were some other specific spots on the course. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that this was okay to stop at at least. Over by Chapman, you're not allowed to stop on the road even and cheer correct. or let anyone out yeah, yeah. or park. But this wasn't. I don't believe this was a prohibited area. Like, you can't even spectate. No. I mean, as far as I know, I as think far specta- as we're concerned. Yeah, spectators are allowed on course. So, uh, apparently, I mean, Tony took some photos Sure. once he saw it because it made him feel uncomfortable. He was, Xavier was over there with his crew for a couple minutes. He was, like, underneath the, the hatchback of the car and supposedly taking a sip of, of like, sparkling water, getting some ice, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And Tony snapped a couple photos. Um and Xavier like kissed his girlfriend or something I don't, and was off. And and he had quite a bit of a lead at this point. I think it was Con- more than 30 minutes, yeah, maybe was, was 45 minutes. Considerable lead. Um, he stopped. He did get some aid, like water and ice, which is considered aid it's in considered the U.S. Aid. Yeah. Maybe they had a different definition in Europe. I don't know. I don't know if he's just saying that, but that's one of their – their arguments Mm -hmm. so anyways um tony comes back to ure um i happened to be there i was waiting to pace a runner and i think i had mentioned something about i had some sort of story for outhouse the next week for the news show that i put on i forget what it was i was like oh i think it was that gordon hardman got into the race or something because there was 146 runners that started Hard Rock. And yeah. There's only 145 spots. I was oh, like, well, that's weird. Uh, we should talk about that. And he's like, oh, I got something juicier for you. And then he showed me the photos. Uh. 
And he was like, what should I do? I was like, well, you should probably tell Dale, you know, he would probably like to know that, like, it looks like he's violating one of the rules, like getting aid. I didn't know the scenario or this right. whole situation, but I just encouraged him to go talk to Dale. I think as a race director, I'd want to know. And I didn't know what they would do. I didn't know. I would just figured, well, maybe they can, like, tell him to stop, like, not do that again, you sure. know, or at least be like, hey, give him a warning. Because that's not fair. Yeah, like, it's in the rules. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's in the rules. It's a fair enough thing. So I encouraged him, and he went and talked to Dale. And then um, that kind of started a chain of events where, uh, and I I do have to, you know, give a, you got to give some credit to Hard Rock. I mean, that's a tough call. Like, there's think, a rules violation. Yeah, there's for any organization. Photogra- photographic evidence. Yeah. It doesn't look good. Like, him hunched underneath the car, the crew vehicle. Like, no matter how you spin that. It doesn't look good. Right. Doesn't matter if you're the leader or the last place guy. Like you're you're by your crew vehicle and they're like touching your pack and you're not in a crew allowed. Yeah. Area. Yeah. Like, and that I think is a, a decent. It's a decent violation. Um, what he ended up getting at the end of the day, like, it's arguable that it it might have been a an accidental thing where he just wanted to say hi to him and he's excited cuz he's winning the race you could see his perspective like sure. he sees his girlfriend he's feeling great he's dominating the event he gets a little bit of ice i i doubt he was even out of water honestly yeah i, I mean he know. just left he, he just left that he just aid left. station i mean yeah. it, was, it was definitely the hottest part of the day yeah so there has been some arguments on that um but with the commanding lead he had i mean you can also get water from streams. Like, if all he got was ice and water, it's kind of a to me, it's like a minimal offense of yeah. the rule break. It's still breaking the rule, right? Um, but the advantage he actually gained from that was probably fairly negligible. At the end of the day, I don't think he got a major advantage that helped him with get, extend his lead to three hours at one point, right? Like he even with that without that, he still would have dominated the field and and won the race yeah um but by the time hard rock was able to cut even find out about this he was already well on his way to grouse Mm -hmm. 15 miles later by the time tony even reported it then they have to try and it's not easy to get around the hard rock course you have like there's huge mountains. There's not easy ways there's to drive. There's a lot of driving. So yeah. There's for hours like, in between each one Dale as crew. For or someone involved with the race to actually get to him or get to his crew, that took them hours yeah. and many miles. So they ended up touching base with his crew at Sherman. They got a little bit of a report from them, and it potentially changed a little bit what they said. And long story short, um, Dale Garland, the race director, ended up um, they ultimately went to Cunningham at mile 91 to face-to-face meet with him and get another story from him on what happened. And it his story may have changed a bit. He kind of admitted to taking it, right. taking the aid. And, and at that point, that was enough for the Hard Rock Rules Committee and Dale and all them to decide that uh, he would be disqualified because he broke he broke the rule. And... Um, they did give him the option to continue and finish the race unofficially, mm-hmm. um, but he decided to just stop his run there. Yeah, uh, And that kind of disappoints me, but I can also understand it. I mean, you're in the lead. You know that you're going to win the race, but it's not going to count. So. It's not going to count, but it still would have been 
cool to see him finish. Be like, well, fine. It's a run. It's a run anyway. And I'm that's gonna what, complete the course. I'm gonna complete it because I right. love the race. But also, if you're DQ'd. I can see how heart-wrenching that is because, I mean, you've and your run, emotions in the moment. Of course, you've run more than 80 miles of a really hard course and, like, a little tiny mistake completely interrupted your day and your grace and cost you the win. That sucks. So this, yeah, this set off a bit of a firestorm because he didn't take it lightly, yeah. uh, to say the least. He kind of issued his own statement that he disagreed. He thought yeah. it was way too harsh. That in Europe, a lot of times, if you break a rule, it's just a time penalty. Right. Um, and Hard Rock didn't really have, they don't really have time penalties set up in their rules. They never had to do this before. Yeah. They never had a DQ a runner, I'm pretty sure. So No, they've never dealt with this issue ever before. And um, so they had to kind of react and they did have to kind of make up some stuff as they went, but they, they convened their race management and... Yeah. And that's ultimately the decision they came to. I mean, I can understand from a race director perspective why we have these types of rules because yeah. honestly, for your permits, a lot of times you only allow crewing in certain areas because it's dangerous. It's an impact on the communities that you're hosting your event in. For our Black Canyon race, mm-hmm. we've had to restrict crews more and more. And I absolutely would DQ someone for taking support outside because that's in violation of our permit yep. and it puts the race in jeopardy. For sure. It really does. And that's something to think about in all of this is that, you know, an infraction like that, maybe it, it wouldn't have affected the outcome of the, of the race, but there is some integrity to it for sure. Like we want to- There are I think reasons that we rules want to, are in place. I mean, we want to all compete on a fair playing field. And that's why we have Mm -hmm. certain athletic rules. This is an athletic sport. And for, you know, a win to mean something, it's got to be a level playing field, just like rules against doping and course cutting and all these other things. Like, it's got to be fair. Yeah. Uh, It's got to be a fair fight. And and that's why it's a sport, because we play by rules. And they've got to be enforced, too. Otherwise, why do we have them? So I think that was... They erred on the side of we're going to enforce this rule because it's a clear violation, even though maybe it would have been nice to have that time penalty option. I mean, certainly, like, I understand people's, uh, you know, point of view where the severity of the punishment may have not really balanced with the, like, the crime, so I to can speak. totally see you that. Know? And, and it, I mean, that was... That was his point of view the whole time where it was like, you know, it was just a sip of water and I didn't, you know, didn't think it was a big deal. And But he's still he's not a first timer here. No. You know, and so he knows he knows the rules yeah. and And that's the other thing, like it yeah, he can disagree, but also, you know, it shows I think it would have shown a little more class to maybe still finish and sure. still just kind of accept it and be like yeah, I mean, I screwed up. Um, I mean, he did I admit that, yeah, I, you know, that I broke the rule here. And so it's a really tough thing because I know, it is. you know, he's a professional athlete and this was his big goal race for the year. For sure. And he was, he was crushing it. And it's impressive to see someone do that in those mountains because I know it's, it's not easy. I've been there. It can't be that, it can't be easy. And, and um, yeah. to, to walk away, to come from, all the way from Europe to leave empty-handed, it's it's heartbreaking for sure. Yeah. Um, and for something that for him was maybe seen as an inadvertent thing that happened, 
And that's kind of, I guess, the tragedy of all this. It kind of is a tragedy where Hard Rock couldn't not do anything. They didn't really have a method to enact something partial. Um, And maybe that'll change now. Maybe they will put some verbiage for next year. That's what I was going to ask. Like, is this going to set a precedence where any kind of outside aid whatsoever is that a qualification like is that going to qualify for a dq or you know are they going to have like levels of punishment i think for for me it's opened up a lot of questions for our races yeah i want to talk a little bit about that but i think for hard rock too they have to decide what they want to be sure because at the end of the day there there's a few kind of hypocritical things that i see Mm. um and i know i I'm critical of hard rock sometimes, and I'm sure they'll they are going to be listening to this, and um, probably they might respond, and I I'll welcome that. I, we've heard from Blake Wood before about talking about the lottery, and yeah. we've heard from Dale, and and I love it. I want to have a conversation. We're not trying well, to be I mean, too it, critical, it, but no, but um, it, like the more information that we have, yeah. and like the different perspectives that we gain from you know, I think it just can everybody help who the puts sport. It, yeah. This is a case study. We now have this. There's a lot of European races that. They just have prescribed penalties because sure. they've been they've been doing mountain running for a long time, and they have infractions and they have different things. They yeah. they can do a thirty minute time penalty, they can do a one hour time penalty, and that could really hurt you in a race. I, I mean, is it like time penalties? Is that at the discretion of the race director or the yeah, organization? It, it can be, yeah. yeah. And I think a little discretion is fine. Sure. I think I think having a little bit of gray area where like it's almost like a referee or an official in a game, but you know, in like football or like a yellow card in soccer, like right. you, they have a warning and they have a couple things. Um, and that could be based upon the severity of the infraction. Sure. So like, and even the circumstances of the, of the aid, I mean, now I think people are going to be a lot more careful at hard rock with any sort of, they don't want anyone to think anything. I mean, so I like, think even like beyond hard rock, probably yeah, other races yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. But I think at hard rock, especially it's like, you're going to tell your crew, don't even stop at the, the tunnel. I don't even want anyone to I think. I don't want to see you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to see you. Don't risk it. I don't want to get pulled from this race. Right. Um, but at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, Hard Rock calls itself a run, not a race. And they they say that specifically. And it's all about paying tribute to the miners and being out in the mountains. and Less competitive, and, less. But yet they still recognize winners sure. of the run. Right. That's not a race. They still record times. So it is kind of a race, although it's a run at its heart. And how much of the rules, like how hardline do they need to be on certain rules mm-hmm. where it's more like, well, this is a competitive rule versus just uh, it's a run in the mountains and right. and that's the focus. Um that's an interesting question to see what they do with that. It'll be interesting to see if, because also technically, if you get anything from your pacer, that's considered that's considered aid. muling and outside aid. Yeah. So if you get a gel from your pacer and you're four miles out on the trail, to me, that could be even more beneficial than the little bit of water that Xavier got. And how many runners are guilty of that? Yeah. I'm really curious. And are if they're going to DQ. Xavier for this, why aren't they DQing all of these runners that get aid from their pacers? 
to me, it seems like. I mean, is it is it one of those things that's less reported, or is it like? I think it's very hard to enforce that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it would have to be almost self-reported. Like, and and I actually I have an instance of this that I brought up. Someone else actually pointed it out, and I had forgotten about it. But I took a I took a beer, a swig of beer from Dominic Grossman in 2015. Yeah. It was two miles from the finish. He was with my crew, so technically, probably considered part of my crew. Yeah. He hands me a beer as I was crossing the river. There's like it's in my race video. Yeah. There's photos of it. Yeah. It's like you can't deny it. And I took outside aid. I mean, do you consider that outside aid? Is that like or is that like a it, celebration after your I mean, run? I is like where where is the line I drawn? Didn't, well, I like didn't, is that gonna I benefit really your your race? I didn't dip from the stream, but they it was still outside aid of yeah. my crew, not at a crew area. And I don't see much of a difference in that. I, I don't know if it matters what the purpose was. Yeah. Maybe his crew just met him there and he just took a swig of water, didn't think he's like, Well, this isn't really aid. They're not I'm not suffering here. I'm not injured and like needing aid, like someone right. to physically help me along. And maybe that was what he thought. Yeah. Maybe or maybe I'm saying he's too naive. I don't know. Yeah. Um but and I actually did email Dale about this. <laughs> about I was like, Hey, I, you know, I want you to know I took aid outside an aid station. And he replied back, um, in essence, saying, like, well, uh, it's past the uh, the time. Like, it was, like, three years ago. So okay. we're going to let that slide. Okay. Um, but who knows? Like, it, like, what if, what if you're, what if, I don't know, what if they do meet you, the race winner with a beer? What if Xavier was met with two miles to go and they hand him a beer and, right. and someone's videoing it? Hey, he's getting a beer. What the heck? Well, I mean, I, I mean, it's not unheard of where I've uh, heard, you know, guys putting a beer a mile out from their 100-mile finish. You're not allowed and, to stash And that's supplies. like stashing. You're right, not allowed to right, stash right, supplies. Right. So that's breaking the rule too. And I guess I – I, I don't think that I don't necessarily think that Hard Rock should crucify runners for taking a gel from a pacer if they're really down. Right. But they kind of drew a line in the sand. They didn't say, okay, you violated the crew rule, but it was kind of negligible aid, so we are going to give you a one-hour time penalty. Yeah. Because um, then it would be like, well, they're kind of like, well, we don't really care if, like, a runner takes a gel from a pacer or a salt caplet or something. Yeah. I mean, if they're like carrying their pack, that's more of a material violation. Right. And probably would want to do more with that. But I guess we'll just have to see what I'm just, hard rock does. Yeah. Like, are where, they gonna... where is that line really going to be drawn? And the other point I want to bring up too, that a lot of people brought up was in like the hard rock rules, like their main page of their runner manual. Okay. Like the number one rule is no whining. And rule five, I think, was the one that says no crew outside of aid stations. And rule eight was you must enjoy yourself. Yeah. So it's like. What well, are rules? So if if you whine, will you be disqualified? Right. If you are not enjoying yourself, will you be disqualified? <laughs> so I, it kind of begs the question because that, that rule was, granted, it was in the same list. Right. But what are the, what are the penalties for whining? What you are know? these rules? Yeah. Or like what how much of a whine will get you disqualified? Is it like really blatant yelling at a volunteer? Well, yeah. Sure. But if you're just kind of complaining that this is hard and you're like... Which I can't imagine at any point, like (laughs) 
there's probably 100% of the yeah. hard rock finishers at it's, some point at during some their point, race. You might whine. At some point, you probably are not enjoying yourself. Right. So are you all, like, what happens to you? Right. And, and I know, and I do, we do kind of joke about that, but they did, they do, I will point out later, say, if you have a crew outside a crew aid station, you may be disqualified. So they were very specific that that could happen to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, but it kind of does beg the question of for other races, you know, okay, we have a lot of rules at the Mogollon Monster and yeah. the Havilene 100. And, well, what happens if you violate them? Do we have a mechanism for giving out time penalties? I don't think we currently mention anything about that with Aravipa. Currently, no. But I would like to have that option. Right. Because sometimes you want, you got to enforce your rules, but it, maybe it doesn't warrant a full DQ all the time. But, like, where then does it end where you, you know, if you have uh, 20 runners, box. Sorry. <laughs> No. If you have 20 runners all, like, coming forward or, like, saying, hey, I took a goo or a beer or whatever from my uh, pacer, give me a 10-minute penalty or whatever, like, you know. It just – Does it does it start act- to get kind of out of hand? Is it too much? Like, is it a little bit convoluted, like, with all of the rules and all of the – Well, that's why, that's why you have to ask – what rules are the most important and which ones can we enforce, you yeah. know? Um, like, do we really do we really care in this sport if pacers hand their runner stuff? Because I guarantee it happens all the time. Yeah. There's a lot of races that say no muling and no outside aid, but they're in the middle of the night when you got your pacer at 2 in the morning and they have the caffeine pill in their pack and you don't. Right. How many people are going to have, like – or the Advil the or the whatever. Yeah. yeah like, so, and I've been guilty. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've taken painkillers from, I took a painkiller from another runner's pacer at Angela's Crest the first year I ran it. Granted, I don't use painkillers anymore, but, um, except beer maybe. I mean, beer's a good one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I would love to hear what, what all of you think out there. You Absolutely. know, how, and, and at what point do all the rules take away from the sport? Like, we, yeah. we all want to have, I think, we all want to have, this is a sport. It's not an obstacle race. No, It's but- not an untimed mud run. All of us are, I think, this is an athletic, a pure athletic sport, yeah. in my opinion. We're running, we're running through the mountains, or we're setting personal bests, we're trying to push ourselves and challenge ourselves. And competing against others, I think a lot of us do like the competition. We don't, we're not all in it for that. But anyone who signs up for a race yeah. is looking for something. Yeah, because you could just go out and do this all on your own. You don't have to do it with anyone. Oh, for sure. And maybe you're doing it just but for there, the camaraderie. I was gonna say, but there's but, the camaraderie and there's I think, the support. Yeah, I think a lot of us we like to see what we can do. And for sure. And I think when the guy next to you is, you know, going outside the rules and stashing stuff in the forest, and you're like. Hey, that was a 14 mile section with no aid. I had to put extra stuff in my pack, and you're off over here grabbing, you know, munchies out of the forest. <laughs> <laughs> like that. That's just it. Kind of, I think, does defeat the purity of the sport when there's not at least a level playing field. But at what point does it kind of take away from? Hey, we're supposed to enjoy ourselves too, and yeah. do we want to be so paranoid that oh my god, I man, I really could use, like, 
some chips that my pacer has in their pack. Like I didn't pack them, but they did. And it's negligible that like, granted I have all my own food. I've been packing my nutrition, but man, I just really want this salt pill that I forgot or that battery. Sometimes you can't anticipate everything that you're going to want on the trail. Like I have all sweets in my pack and it's like, I really just want something salty. And I know that this person has pretzels and maybe I just, and so I think, yeah, I, I don't know that we want to yeah be DQing 20% of the field because I have like a, I don't even know, a wildlife camera out there or something or someone watching. Right. Who knows um, for every time. Or just like for fear of like, oh, crap, was that spectator? Is that person going to tell on me for X amount of whatever? Yeah. You know, like. Oh, I've got. You're not mind. even allowed to like I've, kiss your spouse. At right, this I've one got to spot. mind my p's and q's and everything that <laughs> yeah. I do, and you know, stress out even more. Besides right. just running a hundred miles, like yeah, you know, I mean, there's all kinda, these other things that then you have yeah. to focus on, and it takes probably, yeah, it does exactly. So I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what Hard Rock does here, and yeah, we're I think we're gonna have a discussion probably with Aravipa, uh-huh. all of our race directors, and get some opinions and I'd love to hear what all of you viewers and listeners think as we formulate. And I guarantee you most races out there right now are having similar conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think what they don't want to be caught in this kind of PR nightmare or I mean that in the middle of something regardless, it's a hard decision to make. It is for the race director and everybody behind in the, in the race organization, you know, no one wants to make that call. That's, that's heartbreaking. You don't want to end somebody's race over something, anything really. And, you know, that I'm sure that that decision and everything behind it is going to definitely have a ripple effect within the race community. Hard Rock's and, and an important race and absolutely. it's high profile. So what they do, a lot of people are going to look at and kind of decide what they're going to do. For sure. So um, next I want to touch on the Angeles Crest 100 because they are kind of the first race that I've seen mm-hmm. that did do something in response to Hard Rock. So what they did was they communicated to, and I'm actually trying to pull it up. I apologize real quick. You got the yawns there, huh? I know. It's been a day. Okay, I got to try and pull this up. I think it was this episode. Um, so someone sent this to me. This was communicated to all of the AC100 entrants, the ra- race week. And this was, and it says 2018 AC100 runners, <clears throat> due to recent events at Hard Rock, the AC100 race organization has decided that all runners need to be completely aware of all rules and agree to them prior to the race, which I think is great. Being proactive yeah. and kind of reiterating. Reminding everybody. These are the most important what it things yeah. to the race. And these are things that could get you disqualified. And some of theirs have to do with their specific circumstances. They run, their race crisscrosses Highway 2 along yeah. the Angeles National Forest. I've run the race three times, and it's part of their permit. That's what they say. Um, they actually, they went, a, they went pretty far. Like, I don't know if I would do this, but... Mm-hmm. Um, they made each runner sign an agreement. They had to sign it, and they had to initial five times next to five different rules that if they break will result in a DQ. And then they have an additional solo runners category okay. where you have no pacer, no crew, right. and you have to sign another agreement 
with five additional initials. It's almost like when you sign a home loan, like a mortgage, <laughs> and you're like, or closing on a house, and you're like, sign it, initial everyone. here, initial yeah. here, initial here, initial here. Um, so let's look at specifically the spectator and traffic rules. So they promise you have to like type your name, like print your name. I blank promise to follow the AC 100 traffic policy. It says all runners and crews have the responsibility to ensure that the minimal amount of cars are present on the course for safety and permitting issues. If a traffic accident occurred or something is unsafe, the race could be canceled immediately mm-hmm. and not receive future permits. So it's apparently very serious. Spectators without crew mem- crew, crew passes are not allowed in aid stations. If a runner has more friends than seatbelts in their car, it's recommended they become volunteers. That's great. Um, so basically, then you have to initial each rule. So these are the the five rules. Disqualification. Spectators associated with a runner parking near an aid station. So if a... That's weird. It's not even a crew. If it's a spectator... So if you have like a friend that's spectating your race, yeah. they park near an aid station without a crew pass, you get DQ'd. I don't know how they figure this out. I was going to say, how do they know who is spectating who? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do they go knock on the window and say, like, who are you for? Like... Who are you rooting for? Spectators driving slowly below 25 miles per hour on Highway 2 talking to runners on the road. And interesting, Again, I'm going to let this out of the bag. Yeah. And I wasn't going to talk about it, but this is what we do on this show. There was a certain, I'm not going to name names, but there's a certain, someone. I saw someone on Twitter post a video driving slowly <laughs> along Highway 2 while a runner was running along Highway 2. Mm-hmm talking to them like cheering them on and it doesn't have to be a specific runner it can it be any runner spe- like but i guess whoever you're spectating whoever you're talking to is the one that could be dq'd so literally spectators driving slowly talking to runners that happened it was posted on twitter as a video and but, i don't know if there was dq right but that was like the runner had to sign this and initial it additionally initial it and they broke it but and, then as a runner like okay well no they say here okay <laughs> It'll get to that. Okay. Because you you have an out as a runner. Right. So the next one is crews or spectators parking without an adventure pass. Spectators running with runners down the trail other than the final mile. So if I guess there's anyone out there. So like if Tony came along and's like trying to take a picture of you or cheer you on, you'd be like, don't, stop. Crews or spectators parking over the white line. I do like that because... That's a safety issue for the yeah. traffic. Like, that's bad. We've had that happen at Havelina, and it upset me. Yes. Because <laughs> it's like this giant truck. It's like back bumpers, like, hanging out over the main park road. And right. you're like, I want to tow this vehicle out of here. Absolutely. I wish I could DQ someone for that. Yeah. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> so watch out, Havelina runners. You guys are going to have to <laughs> sign an initial that say, if your truck bumper is over the white line, you're out. You're out. So... It says, I as a runner will tell spectators. You have to literally, like if someone is, you have to tell anyone who's spectating for you, you, this is like verbatim what you have to say. And I guess you have to say this to someone who's, like if they're driving slowly, you have to like yell at them and be like, stop talking to me. Like, Mm. go on, you're going to get me DQ'd. Do not, you have to say, do not park near aid stations. Do not drive slowly next to me on the road. Do not hold up traffic. Do not run with me on the course. Do not litter. I will be disqualified if you do any of these things. Sign up to volunteer at an aid station <laughs> on ac100.com if you want to help me. Like, they give you this canned line, and oh. it's great. It's, it's fantastic. And then you have to tell your crew, 
Do not crew me without an adventure pass and crew pass. Do not drive slowly next to me on the road. Do not park over the white line. Do not hold up traffic. Do not litter. I will be disqualified if you do any of these things. It's like, please raise your right hand. It's like an oath. Absolutely. It sounds like an so, oath. Um, I'm curious, like, if anyone know, did anyone get DQ'd? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. We're not sure. But you, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. There's some pretty detailed. And then they have a, an agreement rules, for solo so. runners as well. You have right. to agree that you can't have any pacers or crew or <laughs> aid from anything else. Um, you may receive emotional encouragement from crews in the aid station, but I guess you can't have your own crew. So you can receive a hug, a high five, and a cheer from other people's crews. Okay. A hug, a high five, and a cheer. So that's cool. But that's cool. Like, so if Xavier like went up to the car and like kissed his girlfriend, mm-hmm. that's probably that's okay. F- fine. Yeah. But as soon as he took the swig of the sparkly water. It's like the bad egg. You flush down the, the tube. I was thinking of Willy Wonka. I was going like to say, is that a Willy Wonka? Gold. Yeah, I think so. I don't know why. It's the bad I was, egg. I think I was humming Oompa Loompa song earlier today for Aww, some reason. That's cute. So that was something about the AC100. Um, they, in response, created that. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about AC real quick, because I thought it was also an interesting thing with the regulations and the yeah. rules that I thought was interesting is that, um, did you hear about this with Darcy, the race winner, Darcy PQ? She switched to the solo division. Right. So if you don't know how their lottery works or did in the past, they have solo runners and normal runners. I think they have the solo category because they want to reduce the number of crews on the highway. Like we just heard. Yeah. So they give them some preferential treatment in the lottery though. So if you, if you sign up as a solo, you have a better chance of getting in the race. And they're very specific in the solo division rules. You cannot switch to the crude race at all. Like Right. Once you, you start your it race. Says, specifically, it says the solo runner has received special consideration for entry through the lottery. So once a solo designation is accepted, a runner may not switch to being a crude runner. This includes prior to the race day, at race check-in, and during the race. To repeat, you cannot switch from solo to crude during the race. It could have just said you cannot switch from solo to crude Period. Period. Because that is also part of the rule. Right. But Darcy was given special consideration by Ken, the race director. And granted, he is the race director, so he can do whatever he wants, obviously. Mm. Um, From what I heard, it may not have been clearly communicated at the time of the lottery that that meant no crew. She, I believe, interpreted it as no pacer. So that's just Which she doesn't usually heard. use a pacer. Yeah. So she thought, okay, solo means no pacer. So I want to do that one. I get a better chance of getting in. Sure. But I still want a crew. Got so, it. and I think she was, I believe she was not the only one from what I've heard. So let's not just throw Darcy under the bus. Let's not just throw the race director under the bus. I'm trying to give a balanced perspective because I don't know all the facts. But okay. I, we, the facts we do know is that there were people that went against that stated rule for whatever reason yeah but there's always gray areas in races like we even have them from time to time yeah. so you know i'm not trying but to but it, it's specifically like but it is interesting it does say in the solo division no pace or no crew. i thought it was pretty clear just because this isn't the first year of it right like to me i'm like solo i know that that means you got to do it on your own right and no pacer no crew so i don't know how she didn't understand that and i guess i would have 
I would have been more inspired if they would have stuck to their rule sure. on this one. Because especially when you're getting preferential treatment to bypass a lottery, and maybe it's like Dale's picks and Hard Rock, and maybe yeah. they're like, well, this is just my pick. Sure. And they can do that. We don't know. We don't know how we don't know how they do their lottery and they could let other people in to make it more competitive. And she's a competitive runner. So, um, so that's just, I wanted to bring up that point though. It just, it has to do with race regulations and rules and DQs. And, um, and it's interesting just to see like, even like seeing a violation of the rule that they had to sign and say, like they went out of their way to make them all sign this thing. And yet, like, it was broken and it was not enforced. So why even do – like, my point is why even do all that? I mean, it does does seem like – Because that's a little – it's a little bit much, maybe. (laughs) They they put some thought into it, and there was definitely effort in – like making sure everybody knows and there's no exceptions except for there might be one exception and or well they they seem at the discretion very of, concerned about their rules right very concerned about the disqualifications and making sure that's clear right um like they took time and effort and had to have pieces of paper for everyone to sign um but, if you're but gonna, then it, if you just go against that right. multiple in like a couple different ways it kind of baffles me a little bit. Like, well, well it's going to set a precedent because then, like, if you know, you DQ somebody for that later on, then they're going to go back and say, "But you didn't for this person, or you made an exception for this yeah. person." What's the difference? So, what I would just like to see let's let's have enough rules in the sport right. to make it fair and enforceable across the board, and let's eliminate the unnecessary rules that take away from the sport i think that's what i would like to keep in mind when maybe we're looking ahead for our events yeah um that to me makes sense um it's hard when you see kind of some of this stuff that is like well you had you went out of your way to make all these extra initials and signatures and like the other thing to to question too is like you know like you're signing a contract with the race because then it's like well is that like enforceable by law like, could they, you could probably like sue them for the, like, that's, that's weird. Oh, wow. Cause it, you're signing a contract. So sure. a contract has to be upheld. And if someone breaks the contract, then they probably have certain rights. Or like, do we, do we even need that? Do we want like eight page indemnifications and like, <laughs> just to run an ultra? This, like, yeah. Where is this going to go? I was going to say, where does this end here? Cause yeah. I mean, yeah, it's ultra running has come a long way in 20, 30 years. And that's why I think ultimately it's an interesting topic and it's an interesting sure. time because I think we're starting to hit where races have realized, yeah, we, we got to have some rules we have some rules. and it's kind of the sports growing up a bit, but yeah. do we want to be as crazy as like triathlon or an Olympic sport where there's was, referees and do we, do enacting, we... <laughs> putting you in the time box at every, like eight, every eight station has to have like a time penalty box. And you have to sit out your infractions. Like, do we want that? I was going to say, is, is that where we're going? Do we want to, you know, like these they... big, beautiful mountain races? Do you want to be concerned about every rule and regulation and line item 18B? Like littering. Like, littering is a big one, you know? Like, do you – it reminds me of Boy Scouts. Like, we had to earn our totenship card, like, to sure. safely use a knife. And if you misuse your knife and an adult leader catches you, they you... cut a corner off your card. So, like – do you cut a corner off the bib? And if you get 
if you get all four corners of your bib cut off, then then you're DQ'd. That'd be kind of cool. Oh wow, it's a lot. It's like your crew's over the white line. You snip a corner. You littered. Snip a corner. You kissed your spouse. <laughs> snip a corner. You're out. And you're done. I don't know. What else on that? Anything? No, it's just a question of where do we go from here? But I'm sure it'll be a topic of conversation within our organization for sure. Yeah, we're going to have fun debating this one. And, and it'll be interesting to see what yeah what else comes of it. Yeah. Um, I know the eyes will be on yeah higher Heart, profile races yeah. to see what they do yeah i mean western states um you know they might be looking at their rules again i mean i think they do a pretty good job overall um and i i gotta commend hard rock for doing what they could do in that limited time period they they wanted to get out ahead of it and make a decision and um, i don't know if it needed to be done during the race maybe at that point I almost wish maybe they let him finish and then decide, but and maybe that decision, yeah. maybe that also would have opened up some implications where it's like, well, we're going to DQ him anyways. Why even let him enjoy that and then have to take it away? That would be hard too, you know. Yeah. So who knows? I'm ult- yeah. It's hard, and it's hard to know like what I would have done in the moment too. When you have that like pressure, the pressure, the there, pressure's on. There is a tremendous amount of pressure if you're faced with that as a organization or a race director and you know and i don't envy dale and all of that by no means and i have to just commend them for showing professionalism and yeah doing the best that they could do trying to gather the facts and ultimately i mean they decided to uphold their rules which you can't be too upset at them for i mean absolutely i think it's important so um, I don't know. Thank you, Hard Rock. Thank you, AC, for doing what you guys do. I know it's not an easy job. It's a thankless job. You're open to all the criticism in the world, and you often don't get the praise that's due. Um, like, AC 100 is an amazing race. So yeah. I know we're kind of maybe bringing you up here, but, um, yeah, I just thank, thank all the, everyone who does stuff for the sport. I just I do want to make sure that's clear, Yeah, that we thank everyone for that, and we do understand. So. Where are we at? I don't know. Is that it? Is that it? Where are we at time-wise? 54. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. um, yeah. That was a nice... So thank you guys for um, joining us again for Trail Currents Podcast. We we are back. The show's not dead. (laughs) We took a break. Uh, We do want to hear from you. Um, Please let us know your thoughts on this topic. I know there was a ton of comments. People were even blaming me for, for... telling them to tell i mean there's always there's always going to be a scapegoat you know it's here everybody's going to have an opinion but yeah i mean but i i feel good about my decision yeah i think it was the right thing ultimately we just want to make the sport yeah i was obviously feeling for xavier like that hurt me like emotionally it was hard to see that yeah when you know to me, it didn't seem like a crazy infraction, but also, yeah, there's a lot that went into it. Yeah. And um, if you want to read a full transcript of Dale's point of view and how and it all went down, go to yeah. ironfar.com. Thank you to Megan Hicks for, she even interviewed me. Mine didn't make the cut, I guess, <laughs> but they were just corroborating Tony's account. And I think sure. they spoke with Xavier too. They so, spoke with Xavier so you and get, Dale. So you like get a, both. 
Yeah, both point of views uh, within that article. So check that out on I Run Far and go support them as well. For sure. Um, yeah, really appreciate that. Um, yes. And yeah, let us know what you think of the solo category too. That's like kind of an, I think that would be an entire, actually, I think that'd be a great entire podcast. Well, I mean, right now, like, is it AC that's, that's they're the only, Mm-mm. no. It's kind of a growing trend. Okay. And yeah, I don't know how everyone feels about it's it. It's a completely have, different division have, than the rest of the I race. Have, yeah, I have, correct? My, I have my opinions on it. Yeah. Yeah. So they get, a lot of times it's like, it says solo on your buckle and it's a different category. I don't know if they flat out give trophies to the winners of the solo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that would be a great topic that we're going to, we're going to explore that more. Deep in the dive a little bit yeah. more into that into later. This, the growing later solo on. category. Yeah. And maybe just pacers a, and crews yeah. in general, like European versus American. That's all super interesting. So um, we're going to jump back and thank our sponsors again, Splat Sunscreen. We are all set for our runs tomorrow. How does it, your skin feel? Because that absorbed really, really well into yeah, my skin. It's nice. It's really. And I still have more left mm, over. So really we good. have, if you've been tuning in since the beginning, we have our answer. Why SPF 29 yeah. in Splat Sunscreen? So they say it's the perfect amount and the perfect SPF rating. And then they kind of laughed out loud. But <laughs> they said, actually, it's because the team who made it basically didn't deliver on their request of 30 to 35 SPF. They have the option of spending more money on more SPF test subjects to bump it up because they take the average rating from different subjects. So maybe it sounds like Interesting. there was some variance in the testing procedures. Okay. Um, and it came in at 29. So I hey. don't know how, the science behind all that, but... But if, um, if they say it's perfect, then that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. So um, there you go. I that's like the it. answer on that one. Um, so be sure to check them out, splatsunscreen.com. Um, we thank you for your continued support of this podcast. Please be sure to subscribe. Uh, you can catch this on YouTube. You can catch it on where most podcasts are found. Most of you guys are listening on uh, Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. That's what our data is telling you. And you're tuning in from all over the world. So we thank you for that. Awesome. And where can you find us? You can find me at Jamil Curry or, on all the social medias. Or at Ju- Happy Jubilee. Yeah. So you guys can message us if you want, if you have for questions sure. or topics. Um, we're excited to be back. And we'll see you and talk to you in the next episode. Thank you. Right on. <laughs>